if there's anyone who knows you very well it's you yourself hi and welcome back to season 4 of habits matter i'm your host shreya singh founder and ceo of harappa education through this season i'm in conversation with five women thinkers shaping a world of work with path breaking ideas today i'm delighted to host professor leena chatterjee a much loved professor at im calcutta She's taught courses in behavioral sciences, organizational behavior, interpersonal dynamics, and human psychology. Her students are equally delighted she's here. So many I'm Calcutta alumni in my network reached out to convey their excitement when I announced this episode on LinkedIn. Their enthusiasm isn't surprising. Professor Chatterjee has received the Best Teacher Award from multiple batches. In this episode, we focus on her consistently oversubscribed course, The Management of Self, which several of her students tell me is the only class they remember from their MBA. Professor Chatterjee and I talk about the self in detail. We discuss multiple methods of self-reflection, including feedback, if millennials are more prone to the tyranny of the shoulds, and how self-belief impacts our potential. We start the conversation with a useful tool to get to know yourself. the autobiography the entire process of writing the autobiography itself is um, according to my students very liberating because it gives them a feeling of okay i've lived through it all again and i realize that from today's perspective a lot of things that were very vivid and perhaps very disturbing for me are uh, maybe not so important in the larger scheme of things so it's a kind of a process that helps them to um you know uh, move forward so that is one reason but perhaps the more uh, important reason why i think uh, or the autobiography as a tool is useful is because um i think that i you know one of the things that i get the students to do is after they have written their autobiography i get them to analyze the themes and patterns in their lives how they have changed how they have not uh, what are the um, kind of pictures that they have of themselves what are their strengths what are their uh, ways of handling crises uh, how do they manage relationships with authority excellent you know there are just so many thoughts that are going through my head as you were speaking but one let me just get a detail point right um so they actually write a autobiography and you know how long is it and how much time do they take to work on this you can write your life in 6 pages i have had people writing their lives in 200 pages so you know it's up to the person to decide how much and what they want to share i also tell them that they should only share uh you know whatever they are comfortable sharing so you know you decide how much because the very fact that you are thinking about what you want to share and what you don't means that you have gone through that incident or that experience and you have thought about it for me that is uh, you know a useful process in itself understood i'm philosophically you know are we yeah i'm a great fiction reader and one of the best kind of fiction that i like reading is you know when the narrator is uh, turns out to be an unreliable narrator and then you know you're surprised after having finished the journey in some way that the twist becomes clear in this as well are we sometimes not unreliable narrators of our life and how much can you know we be confident that we are remembering the right things in the right way well i think the whole thing starts with trust uh, i trust that my students will uh, try to uh, 
write down whatever they know or they think of themselves the best to the best of their ability and of course it's dependent on their memory of course it's dependent on uh, their perceptions but the very important thing that we need to remember shashi is that your self concept is just a perception it is your perception and whether you like it or not this perception has an impact on how you interact with both yourself and the world so these perceptions even if they don't reflect i don't know what reality is out there um they reflect this individual's reality and to that extent i personally believe that if there's anyone who knows you very well it's you yourself because that is your inner world and that is the world that influences your understanding of yourself maybe as a victim or maybe as a bully or whatever and it effect impacts your interactions with the world your assumptions about the world so i think all of us um to some extent will be unreliable narrators but unfortunately those narrations have an impact on who we think we are so to that extent i think it's very important so it might not be the whole truth because there is no whole truth but it is your truth and the, and it's an important truth that you tell yourself right which will impact everything else is like i'm guessing what you're saying um and and to the other part of my earlier question um you saying that you know of course students self select themselves to go on this journey um with you both of of course of you know reflection as well as feedback that we will speak about but have you seen can you tell us about one or two students who you know sort of for for whom the course has a transformative impact and that they had to possibly um confront different decisions that they might have to make just because of the the exercise on the courses that they went through i think i started this course way back in i think 87 or 88 1987 or 1988 as a consequence of this because if you look at the literature on career choice and career advancement uh self awareness is really a cornerstone for um you know having and navigating a successful career so i think that when you when when i when people take my course one of the objectives for them is to actually get into this process of introspection and uh you know try and look at where they really want to go so uh i have had students who uh you know started off by saying that you know uh, everybody is going for consulting or maybe investment banking or finance and um, while i'm also kind of influenced by the herd i i i've already been in a job for 2 years i know that i didn't enjoy it because i went for the best paying or the job that everyone seemed to value but i realized that if i have to um you know spend so much time in a job or in a career i need to have some sense of engagement with it and therefore i have had students who actually embarked on more riskier journeys of entrepreneurship or of following a passion that uh, they had uh, got in touch with as a consequence of this self exploration you know given that you said you started this course in 1987 and 1988 and it's been sort of obviously uh, more than two decades that you've been doing this um any generational changes in towards attitude towards reflection honesty transparency with self sharing in the classroom that you've seen um different you know cohorts of uh, generations go through 
Um, well, not in the search for self, you know, self-reflection or self-awareness. Not really so much in that. But I do feel that uh, previous generations sort of were more relaxed and therefore perhaps um, less uh, less impacted by uh, pressures of um, you know the what I call the tyranny of the shoulds. You know, this is uh, you know I should uh, do well. I should be perfect. I should uh, you know deal with all the competitive, uh, uh, you know, uh, situations that I face uh, as a winner, you know, I think the pressures have increased for young people. But having said that, uh, I think that young people today are much more willing to take risks. I see so many more uh, younger students focused on, uh, you know, treading a kind of a different path as compared to the traditional careers or choices that used to be made in the past. So I think every uh, cohort has their own uh, pros and also their own issues. So I think, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's I love that. I It's very profound. I don't think I'll ever forget the tyranny of shoulds. Um, and I think sort of we impose them on ourselves and maybe even on others. This is a quote from, uh, you know, Karen Horney, her theory on the neurotic personality. So she talks about the tyranny of the shoulds. <laughs> you know, the autobiography and you know, even writing 20, 25 pages, if that's the average, can seem like a very daunting challenge for others. And we would, you know, obviously love everybody who's the listener to be able to benefit from this tool. What simple, you know, is there a simpler tool that you can recommend that everyone can do at least to get started on this journey? Yeah. So first of all, let me say that there are so many roads to the self. I mean, there's no one best tool or anything like that, right? But I think uh, what would be nice is to make self-reflection a habit, you know? And um, there I would say journaling. Now, what do I mean by journaling here? So it's not that you write a sort of diary every day. I think that would be very tiresome for many of us who are crunched for time or really are not in the habit of putting down our thoughts. But I would say that, you know, if I use something like a critical incidence technique, whenever I've had a challenging uh, experience or a day or whenever I have done something that made me feel very happy and successful or in the flow, maybe that day I go back and I uh, reflect, uh, you know, and I think about uh, what were the learnings from that? What did I learn about myself? What did I learn about what I did well, what I could have done better? So I think that is a useful tool. There's another small tool that helps you to kind of, it's like an icebreaker. And it's what we call the 20 questions uh, statements uh, questionnaire. So what are the 20 questions? Who am I? And you have to fill in 20 times, who am I? And that's a kind of a quick icebreaker to have a look at how you see yourself. You know, it's, it, sounds very, it sounds very easy, but it's very difficult. My students kind of average around 11 or 13 or something, after which they run out of who am I. But I think that's a, also an interesting way to sort of start this uh, journey of uh, you know, self-reflection. 
actually, I have not heard of that one. And that one sounds, it doesn't sound easy. It sounds scary. So 20 ways of seeing yourself. And yeah, we self-limit possibly how we see ourselves. So I'm sure that's scary. Great. Um, I think uh, uh, three great tools that you told us about the autobiography, of course, the critical incidence tool and this very simple, who am I? And I like that point you made about the journal, of course, to say that the journal builds itself into a journal. What you have to do is do that, you know, the activity once and, and ensure that they sort of stack up on top of each other, right? Can I just add one more thing that I would like or I would, you know, like to sort of advise? I mean, I don't, I mean, maybe not advise, but recommend. Um, I think that it's also in, important for us as we look at ourselves, not just to do this journalism, journaling for self-awareness, but also to have a kind of a personal uh, vision or priority or goal from time to time. Because I think we need to bring into consideration future aspiration. Because when I want to grow and develop, I need to have sort of maybe a goal that I want to achieve. Where do I want to go? Because that also informs your uh, journey of self-development. Absolutely. Where do you want to go to? And this is, you know, it's interesting that you're saying that because in the last week, twice on some panel discussion, um, I've mentioned that three hours back, just before I started Harappa, I actually forced myself to write a personal vision statement uh, for myself. And I think it's been, and it's it seems like a slightly narcissistic and sort of cringe, cringe-worthy activity to do when you're doing that for yourself and writing a mission statement like you do for a company. Um, but I think it's been so, so, so powerful for me uh, as a, you know, as almost like a guideline um, and framework for to help me make all the decisions I have to make as an entrepreneur. And sort of the three big words that that mission statement had for me was recognition, scale and impact. And I think um, in the way that, you know, as an entrepreneur, those are very helpful words for me to hold on to, um, you know, for all decisions. No, I think that's it's it's really wonderful that you did that, and uh, you know I can tell you that a lot of personality theorists, whether you look at Carl Gustav Jung, or even Carl Rogers, you know they have also talked about this. The, you know that it's you know when we look at ourselves, we always think of who am I, where am I right now, but uh, you know the future also beckons you. Who do I want to be? Where do I want to go? And that also. Uh, can influence your choices and influence your uh, process of self-development very, very uh, beautifully. And it's tough to know, like, for example, the recognition word that I put, it made me feel sort of like, because, but then I said to myself, honestly, that I don't want to be a hidden unsung hero doing amazing work. If I do something and I'll work really hard for it, but if I do something, I do want to, you know, confess to the uh, ego urge that I have to be recognized for it. And I think that was a, that was possibly the toughest word for me to put on that, um, uh, on my personal rich statement, but gave me so much clarity. No, you know, uh, Shreyashi, I think I really admire your courage for that. And I, I'll tell you this, that for me, uh, you know, if you really want to be self-aware, you have to be willing to be honest with yourself. Because, you know, you could get all the feedback, you could do all the reflection, but if you're not willing to be honest and, you know, with yourself, you're not going to go too far. Great. Journey. So from being honest with ourselves, let's go back to the second part of, you know, something that, you know, you believe a lot in um, and obviously talk about in your courses is this whole concept of feedback, right? And how do we let others be honest with us, essentially? Um, so a couple of questions and I'll sort of, you know, thoughts around feedback that I certainly wanted to discuss with you is, 
of course, first and foremost, what role does feedback play in helping us grow? Um, how do you implement feedback? And the other question is, whose responsibility uh, really is it to get feedback? Is it the seekers or is a great managers, great organizations must take on that onus, you know, or, or, or an individual really has to be their custodian of the feedback that they're getting? You know, I, I, when you ask about who should, whose responsibility it is, well, I would say for all of us as individuals, uh, if we keep waiting for organizations or managers to give us feedback, maybe we'll wait too long. So I believe that, you know, we are all responsible for our own employability and therefore we need to seek feedback. But having said that, not everybody is um, willing to engage in this uh, process of dealing with feedback. And this is where organizations can play a very important role in encouraging uh, this whole process of uh, giving and receiving feedback. Are there any caveats to, you know, more feedback always being sort of, you know, a good way to grow? And what are the dangers of um, wrong feedback? And how do we know that that's happening? And and three simple tools, like you told us about from a self-reflection perspective, you told us about tools. If you can tell us quick frameworks and tools on um, the best way to receive feedback, that'd be very helpful. So the first thing about receiving feedback is when someone gives you feedback, don't respond immediately. Don't say, ah, yeah, yeah, I know, I already know about it. Or, you know, maybe sort of reject the feedback. Thank the person for the feedback because you want to keep your uh, feedback channels open. If somebody gives you feedback and you look very annoyed and upset, chances are if, uh, you know, you're in a power position, they may not even ever give you that feedback again. And I always say that, you know, as you go up, the ladder, your opportunity for authentic feedback reduces if you are not uh, showing an openness to the feedback, right? So I think that therefore you need to be positive towards any feedback. If somebody is giving you feedback, listen to it, give respect to it. But then I think, as I said, the first tool is live with the feedback for a while. Don't immediately start digesting or dealing with it or fretting about it or whatever. So think about it. Play the devil's advocate with yourself. Think about, is this, does, is, do I have data that supports this feedback? Have I had or received other uh, feedback uh, earlier that may resonate with what is being said here? Somebody gives you feedback. You think, oh, oh I'm not like that. But then you go back and you think about it. And you try and probe into it. And then you have... Um, you know, either an experience of, ah, this is teaching me something new about myself. I didn't realize that, you know, I'm actually not a very customer-oriented person. I seem to be very, uh, maybe very um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, dogmatic or stubborn or whatever. So, you know, it gives you a new insight and then you learn to handle that uh, aspect of yourself. Or it could lead to a situation where you say, well, not really. I'm not really like that. But it was a good learning opportunity. And you move on. I have to ask you this question about what differences, if any, have you seen on how women and men approach managing self and leading self in its various aspects, such as feedback, for example, differently? And if you have seen that, 
do you have a gender specific or at least specific guidelines for ambitious women professionals um you know for this journey well i don't think that there's too much of difference between men and women in terms of self awareness but one of the differences that i do notice among men and women in terms of dealing with feedback or in terms of uh dealing with uh, how they see themselves is that women tend to be more sensitive to how they think others see them so i think that they tend to incorporate into their self not just who they think they are but they are also looking at and trying to make sense of what other people think they are and therefore sometimes i think they overthink this whole issue why does this happen well i think that we know you know sometimes you know when we see that women may be socialized a little differently they are encouraged to be more focused on relationships and fitting in and adapting maybe or it could be that in an organizational context women may think it's a man's world and therefore they need to get cues from others about how they should be so i think that somewhere i would encourage uh, you know uh, women to not be so self critical <laughs> and to perhaps be um, more um, you know open to positive feedback as well not just negative feedback look at the positive feedback they are getting um and to not to overthink too much yes feedback is important but uh, your own self concept is also important i think to find that balance is very very useful great we we really run out of time but thank you so very much this was you know uh, i think we could keep going and there's so many so many questions that i still have um, but we'll get you back on habits matter soon and thank you so very much for joining us and for this fantastic profound conversation habits matter is a show brought to you by harappa education this episode was scripted produced and managed by nitin shamsuddin and soumya bahugana under the editorial direction of Seema Chaudhary. Shout out to Madhwana, super talented audio engineer and a brilliant design team for the Snazzy Creatives. I hope you're enjoying our special season four. Don't forget to tune into the first episode as well, where we decode the phenomenon of grey rhino events with the brilliant Michelle Booker. It's full of some fascinating insights. Follow Habits Matter on Instagram at habits.matter and Harappa Education on your favorite social media channels.